Tuesday, July 24th. Welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith. Today I am joined by Jacob Kingsley, and we are rejoined by our long-lost friend, <laughs> Daniel Yelverton. Hey, good to be back. Welcome back, man. How was your vacation? Ah, it was a lot of fun. Very relaxing. Kids had a good time. Good yeah. weather. Where'd yeah. you go? Uh, my parents lived down in South Carolina, so... We got to enjoy it. It was actually cooler down there on the 4th of July than it was <laughs> up here. So. It was a scorcher. Yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. It was kind of an odd kind of Twilight Zone moment there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. It's good to have you back. Glad you had a good vacation. Hopefully, you are refreshed and feeling back to yourself. Very refreshed. Feeling very insightful about today. So we'll awesome. see how it, we'll see how All right. It goes. Well, then we'll just throw it to you it'll in a, a second it'll and be we'll a leave better, the room. Yeah, it'll be a much better <laughs> podcast than the last couple ones that oh. I've been at. <laughs> feel a little personally attacked. <laughs> yeah, you just got to do something you don't have to do. I know. You can take that out. For the listeners, <laughs> Daniel and I are actually oh, yeah. wearing the same shirt today on accident. So. I, I noticed that. That's actually happened more than once. So. It's not the first time. <laughs> but at least we aren't in public this time. <laughs> that is true. The we showed up to Starbucks together wearing the same shirt. Oh, We're like, now this is awkward. The yeah. Wonder Twins. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's good to have you back, Daniel. Um, Today, we are in Acts 16, and we'll just go ahead and get right to it. Jacob is going to start us off today. Mm -hmm. Jacob, take it away. Acts 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the city, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was the day, the magistrate sent for the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So that was a bit wordy, I will say. It was a little bit hard to read at times. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt very much like I was doing this sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of stuff in that chapter that we just read. Mm -hmm. Um, Observations. Well, I think one thing, even just talking about kind of the wordiness and the reason why it was kind of a bit choppy at times is all of the interjectory clauses and stuff. And it just shows, you know, again, Luke is writing this book and he's there are a lot of times where it says we made or we went showing that he's a part of it. And he's just it shows how thorough he is. Mm-hmm. He could have told a very surface level story with minimal details. As he's telling stories, he's like, oh, but there is also this important thing. There's this important thing. And so we know we're getting like the full story, even if it's cumbersome to read sometimes. Yeah. And Luke was a physician, correct? correct. Yes. Which I think it's cool that it, kind of what they do it, or did in their lives shows in the way that they think and the way that they process and mm-hmm. put these words out for us to read. He's very thorough, very precise. Mm-hmm. It's right. pretty cool to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think something that's interesting that at first glance or we first hear we're like what's going on is um 
in verses like 6 through 10, where they're like wanting to go places as missionaries and spread the gospel. And it says that the Holy Spirit forbid them, you know, that the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because they were wanting to do a good thing, mm-hmm. right? It was good. It wasn't sinful that they were wanting to go somewhere, but God's greater purpose for his kingdom had a different route for them. And so I think, again, we do this every week, we get an application, but I just think that that's interesting because a lot of times we think, well, if we're just doing a good thing, then that's always what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes good things can be distracting from what God actually has for us and for his kingdom. Yeah. Uh, I have a personal story Mm -hmm. that kind of goes along with that is, um, when I was, when Jesus was really getting a hold of my heart and I was living in North Carolina, I was really mm-hmm. involved in my church there. And there were opportunities, I think, that I could have maybe gotten involved in like vocational ministry at the church that I was at. And it was like the doors just kind of kept closing. And I had no clue why. It was a really frustrating experience. And, and then all of a sudden I, I realized looking back that God was closing the doors to open up a different opportunity elsewhere, mm-hmm. that that brought me here, that that brought me to be a part of this church, this church movement. And I noticed that I wouldn't have, if I had gotten into this church and into this situation, I wouldn't be up here. And so as much as it was hard to understand at first, because your heart behind it is, oh, wait, I want to be in ministry. Like, that's a great thing. That should be where I am. And if this is the opportunity, then this needs to open. But that's not what, like you said, that's not what God's plan and purpose was. And so I think it was an exercise for me in the trust and the plan and purposes of God. And I think Paul is a similar thing because I think they can be really discouraged by this instance, but Mm -hmm. really they can now, they can look back or they can even see in the, in the midst of this opportunity in Philippi that they were able to really impact uh, people there for the gospel. Yeah. And I I like the, uh, that you went into that to explain, because my question was going to be, you know, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to forbid you to do something? Because I've had those same experiences where doors are shut, opportunities that were there all of a sudden aren't there anymore. And I always take that more of like a leading from God, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm, I'm letting you know gently that, um, this isn't what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. But when they use the word forbid, I, I took it more as like, it was very clear, like, no, you are right. not to go do this, like firm, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I've never had that in my life before. Usually I'm wishing that that would happen right. because usually I'm praying and seeking for what God and the Holy Spirit does want me to do. And I wish that if I started down the wrong path, that I would get this feeling of being forbidden from doing mm-hmm. that to know for sure that that's not what I'm supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think it doesn't always happen, obviously, in ministry context. I think just from our personal stories of our life and, you know, especially as we've been listening to the Holy Spirit, that's how it sounds a lot of times. So I don't want you guys listening to think that it only happens inside, you know, just the church, that this is, you know, it happens in your everyday life. But I think an instance in my life, even where this happened, is I interned at different, couple different places near the end of high school and into college. Um, And there was one really good experience I you know I learned a lot and they even were like listen if you don't go back to school for your last year of college we will continue to intern with a you know an intent to to hire you at the end they said we'll we'll even you know do as much as we can to pay for your online schooling and I went home that day and I prayed and literally after one prayer the Holy Spirit was just like you're not going to do that Jacob (laughs) and like I don't know what it was but I was just like I know if I do this there will be so much unease and the Holy Spirit was just Mm -hmm. like no you aren't 
Yeah. So yeah. that was an instance in my life where the Holy Spirit forbid me yeah. mm-hmm. from working in a church, yeah. which is like, it <laughs> seems so weird, but like maybe for you guys, you want to get your kids into, you know, a Christian private education. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. But the Holy Spirit is just forbidding you or keeping you from doing that. And you're like, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a job opportunity just in the public sector that, you know, it's more of a nonprofit or you're going to be doing a lot of good and the Holy Spirit is just forbidding you and it's confusing. But in the midst of that, try and see what God is doing for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that God isn't going to use you. It's that he has you somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that's the the part that it's really important to drive home to people is that God's plan is what his plan is for you. And mm-hmm. just because things might pop up that seem like they're the right thing, that doesn't mean that taking that opportunity would lead you to your ultimate goal of where he's taking you. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to pray and listen and be obedient. Because it's hard, too, if you if you hear that. For a bit. Mm-hmm. You could have still taken that job. Yeah. You know, Daniel, you still could have tried to find a way, stuck around at that church and tried to find a way for these doors that were closing, wait for one to open. Yeah. But it, I think the hardest part is hearing that and then be, being obedient and turning away from something that you would personally love to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's <laughs> that's somewhere where it's important to get, you know. Right. And I think it's it's a trust thing in a lot of ways because uh, I think that you have to trust in the promises of God that he has great, he's great plans in store for those who love him. And sometimes it doesn't look like that for us in the present moment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a good plan, right? Yeah, you know, we can see what we are, what's around us and we can be like, this is not a good plan, God. Why am I in this? Why am I still in this situation? Why am I stuck here? Why is this door shutting? Uh, but hindsight, we can always see his faithfulness. We can always see that we can trust God no matter what. And so in those instances, it's very difficult to trust God in that moment, mm-hmm. but he's got a perfect track record. Right. And so yeah. I think that's the that can be so comforting to have that always kind of behind us and always around us, depending, especially when the situation confuses us Mm -hmm. and we don't understand why God is preventing us or Mm -hmm. preventing something from happening in our lives. Yeah. And I think maybe we don't, you know, get the, the full story of if, you know, Paul and Timothy were extremely confused and, you know, they question, they're like, why aren't we supposed to go there? Right. Because when they talk about Asia in here, they aren't talking about China and Japan. They're talking more of just the, far east of the the middle west or not the middle west the far east of the middle east and going into turkey and into that area um but you think if they had gone and then it continued to spread you know history shows that asia as we think of it now wasn't really brought the gospel until around like marco polo Mm -hmm. like it was a long time yeah and so even now we go god why did you stop them Mm -hmm. you know there's there are so many people that could have heard that And I think sometimes when the Holy Spirit forbids us to do things, when there are good things that we just aren't supposed to be a part of, we can look for the answer, right? And we don't hear and hear that God gives them the answer. He just shows them where he's going to have them next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one thing that's interesting, so think about Luke as the one that's documenting all these things that's going on with Paul and, and his meticulous nature and that how he's documenting things as we talked about earlier. And I think it's interesting, any of the stories that kind of come to light, because you know that with, you know, Paul experiencing the Holy Spirit and all the amazing things that were happening, there's so much that I'm sure that Luke could have documented. Mm -hmm. So why? Why document some of these instances in Philippi? And I I think it's really interesting to to see the three people that come to know Jesus or that are saved 
uh, in Phil White Howard, three totally different demographics, different types of people, people of different walks of life. And I think it kind of pushes some, it shows a little bit about evangelism uh, for us here because we see there is uh, Lydia who is affluent. She is really wealthy. If she's a, a, I guess, a seller of purple, that would mean she would be a really, really wealthy mm-hmm. merchant. Uh, lots of influence. Um, still being a woman in society, that, w- that, would be, that would be a hindrance. And then you have a slave girl who has no rights, no rights at all, being extorted by uh, her master and basically just in total bondage. Mm-hmm. And then you basically have... A an enemy uh, to them, uh, the jailer, uh, who would be kind of like a hardened war veteran. You know, mm-hmm. most jailers would have been guys that had uh, already served, you know, Rome for a while. There, this is kind of their retirement plan, uh, which may or may not be something that they really wanted to do, anyways. Uh, and but all the, all these instances, you have people of, of so many different walks of life, so many different encounters, and the Holy Spirit is using each one of them to bring them to know Jesus in different ways, like. One is with a prayer meeting, you know, so that's the conventional way that we think people would get to know Jesus. All right, they come to church and they get to know Jesus, you know, that's it. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that's the prayer meeting. That's, that's the only way to get people to get to know Jesus. And then you have one where you're walking about and you're seeing somebody in bondage that they saw somebody that was in chains and they did something about it. And because of that, it was amazing. Um, And somebody was set free. And then you have somebody that's persecuting them, mm-hmm. somebody that's beating them and in chains with them, and they're still using the opportunities that, that are presenting themselves to to tell them about Jesus. And so I think that this is a really, just a cool picture about how what it looks like to bring the gospel in everyday life, in everyday opportunities, because I think we kind of limit ourselves mm-hmm. to the prayer meetings when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Well, I just need to get them to church, you know, get them to the prayer meeting and then they'll hear about Jesus. And then, you know, maybe they'll make a decision to follow Jesus. But then you see all these other opportunities mm-hmm. that Paul and Timothy had when to, or sorry, Paul and Silas, uh, that they had to, to share the gospel, whether they were good times or bad times, it didn't mm-hmm. matter. They were still telling, you know, telling the jailer, telling the slave girl about Jesus. Yeah. I really like the, the instance, um, of the jailer, the situation that happened there, because you, you can kind of learn a lesson from them and what they chose to do. Because obviously, after it happened, it says he was about to kill himself, and Paul cried out to him. The doors were unlocked. If they knew he was going to kill himself, and the, Michael's touched on that before. Back then, if a prisoner escaped, it basically meant death for you anyway, right. or at least extreme yep. shame. So then that's why he was going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. So if Paul knew that, he could have just let him do it. Because the doors were open now. They could have just walked. Yeah. Wait for him to do that, and then you can escape freely. But instead, he cried out to him. And had he not done that, he would not have been converted. Mm-hmm. And his whole household. It's, I mean, yeah, it's not yeah, only him, household. but it's also yeah. his entire household. And you think that, honestly, though, this is the beginning of the church in Philippi. And right. the church in Philippi is a very instrumental church. I mean, it's the church that, obviously, Paul is writing uh, the whole letter of Philippians to, which is such a profound and such an encouraging letter to us now. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. starts this way. The church starts with these people, with yeah. these individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in this story, there are kind of two phrases that really stick out to me. Um, kind of near the beginning of their jail time, in verse 25, at the end of it, it just says, you know, they're praying and they're singing hymns, and it says... And the prisoners were listening to them. Mm-hmm. People were paying attention to them. And and I think in our lives, when we go through things, we can 
um, have our blinders on to what we're going through and we forget that other people are watching us. Mm. Other people are listening to us and not just the government through your phone, but like people <laughs> are paying attention to how we react to things. People are observant. And the other thing is, you know, the jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Mm. And because of the reply, we think that he's asking, you know, like, how do I ask Jesus into my heart? How do I get saved? But the prisoners are free now, and they have the upper hand, and it's a prison guard. If that happened in a prison today, and the prison guard said, what do I have to do to be saved? We're like, oh, he's asking, how do I just keep my life and you not kill me? <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, but Paul and Silas sense a deeper spiritual need in that moment, and they say, well, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And so I think they have flipped this whole situation and they see the spiritual realities in this entire situation the entire time. And that's how they get through it. That's how they seem so strong. It's not because, you know, they were hardened people. Um, you know, Paul took a ton of beatings, but it's not like he loved it. It's not like, you know, they were doing some magic trick just to see how long they could stay in jail. It's because they saw what was going on deeper than the surface level of the physical. And they sense that in other people's lives, too. And I think that's really what makes this powerful. And it goes back to what you were saying, too, Daniel, is that, you know, it's not just in prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. The spiritual nature of our walk with Jesus should be present in every single aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I really like this in the prisoner's we're listening to them. So yeah. who is listening? Who is watching you in your life? And if it's nobody, then you need to open up your life. You need to not be private. You need to not, you know, walk inside your house every single time you get in the driveway. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know the people at work, you know, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I You saying that, like, totally unlocks something in my mind that's been going on with me today that I really noticed. Um, and it, it goes to show that people are always watching you. People are listening. And even more sometimes subconsciously mm -hmm. than consciously. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what you do just bleeds into other people. And like a way to drive this home is actually something that happened to me today with my daughter Riley. And then also even with Jacob when I came in earlier today. So I was at home and I'm, I'm because I, I'm a musician. I'm always mm -hmm. singing. Always, mm -hmm. and we had rehearsal recently and Sunday and stuff. And I, there's songs that always stick in my head after we've worked hard on those songs all week. So this morning, I'm with, uh, I'm in the kitchen like doing dishes, and Riley's at the table like doing crafts or whatever with her back to me. Mm -hmm. And I, a lot of times, don't notice that I'm singing, but I noticed about halfway through that I was singing um, one of the songs that we did this Sunday that we've been doing as a part of this series. It's called "Stand in Your Love," mm -hmm. and I'm singing that song, and I get done. And I just keep working and I notice like 30 seconds later, all of a sudden Riley's singing that song and it just like subconsciously absorbed into her. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, huh, okay. So then I, I, I tried a little experiment kind of. And so then a couple minutes later, I started singing another song that was like a random pop song from the 80s by like a, I can't remember who it was, but like Debbie Gibson or something like that. Just mm -hmm. random because of course I know that kind of stuff for some reason. <laughs> but um, Child of the 80s. Yeah. But then I sang like a couple lines of it. And then like two minutes later, Riley's repeating those lines, singing it. 
her backs to me the whole time and she just like got her scissors cutting on stuff and she's singing stuff and then I didn't mean to do it today but I've been uh, transposing a song for um, for worship a lot today already so that's been stuck in my head so when I was in here getting stuff set up to do the podcast Jacob was sitting here and I had been singing that song kind of just under my breath or whatever and then a couple minutes later all of a sudden he's singing that song so I mean that to me just drives home the fact that what we do is absorbed by the people around us. And and maybe that's the spirit, you know, maybe that's not just their ears and their brain working, but maybe that's the spirit actually absorbing those things, picking it up and then maybe, mm-hmm. you know, trying it on, you know? So anyway, it is really important yeah. what we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think there's also, there's such an awareness for Paul and Silas mm-hmm. about what's kind of going on around them. Um, from like the, op- the I could say the opportunity for the for Lydia at the prayer meeting, but then for the for the girl, the slave girl, that's basically being extorted, like she's in bondage. I think that there's something so powerful when when we do something about people that are struggling, or they we notice the struggle and we go to talk to or address what's going on with the struggle in people's lives, and just use that as an opportunity to introduce Jesus, and uh, and then. The the jailer is so funny to me because he's like a hardened kind of veteran guy. And I think that there, that can be such a, a, a scary, unapproachable person for us. Someone who is just totally resistant to the gospel, has just lived their life. You know, they're like, I, I don't know, you know, whether they've been burned by God or not. They just don't want anything to do with it. They don't want anything to do with what's going on. Um, but what they did and how they lived their lives in that present situation, they took advantage of those opportunities to share that hope. And, and so for me, that's just, I can get so consumed with what's going on in my life and my daily routine, just like they, at the beginning of this chapter, could have gotten so consumed with the fact that they wanted to go to a certain direction. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit said no. And so then they're probably in there. So like, you could get in this like pity, pity party about, oh my gosh, we really wanted to go here, but the Holy Spirit didn't let us, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they just, they ended up going to Philippi and then they're able to just see what's going on in there and right. just and access the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does amazing things. And, you know, a pagan city uh, comes to know Jesus and has a powerful church that's planted there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something else that sticks out to me in here that I find interesting, and I don't know what the importance, like the significance of it being there is as much as it just kind of stood out to me because usually, you know, they're bold in what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but um, usually they kind of end up on the wrong, not the wrong end of it, but kind of the, you know, not the greatest end where they get thrown in jail or whatever like that. Um, And then this, you know, the jailer was going to kill himself. They stopped him and they spoke to him. I thought it was interesting at the end when um, they were going to, the the people that were holding them were going to secretly let them go. And they're like, no, 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 no. Have them come here because they did this secretly. We're going to have them come and do this publicly. Like that is just a little bit of a different take than what we usually get from from Paul and all these, these disciples. So is there a significance to that? Do you think? Cause he could have just been okay and we'll leave or whatever, but instead he called him out. What do you, do you, do you I know, does anything about that stand out to you guys? I think the first thing that I initially thought of is the fact that we find out about Paul's Roman citizenship. I don't know if we found out about that before then, but that becomes a very significant piece in Paul's mm-hmm. ministry uh, because that's what ends up propelling him to Rome and to speak before Agrippa and Felix and different things like that. So 
I don't know if like I'm I'm not looking back at the rest of Acts, so I don't know if there, if that's been introduced mm-hmm. yet. But I think that's a a very significant part of the story mm-hmm. that eventually gets him all the way to Rome and to Caesar. Uh, and so that may be why that's that details in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob, I don't know. Do you I have think any thoughts? I was just flipping back through and I think this is the first time because usually it comes up when he's about to be beaten or put in prison. He's like, nah, fam, I'm a Roman citizen. <laughs> and so I think this is the first time that it's mentioned, at least in, in Acts, um, in, in Luke's account of it all. And so I think it, it does... It's character development. No, um, I think it, <laughs> the plot thickens. Yeah, but I think it is interesting too to see the countenance change of, you know, Paul is being. I would almost say like meek when it comes to you know the jailer and he's about to kill himself. He's like, listen, it's okay. Like you know, not a big deal. He doesn't even put like any blame on them. And then you know the magistrate's like, oh. We should let him go. And he's like, you're just going to try and get rid of me quietly. Come and do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's yeah. like, whoa, where'd that come from? And, and I don't know. I don't know exactly what the significance of that is. I think one thing that is cool is, is again, we can so easily idolize um, people. And I think Paul does a good job of telling us that we shouldn't. You know, he, he tells us that he's the foremost among sinners. He, he talks about his inadequacies a lot, but a lot of times we can look at the apostles and ask and be like, wow, they've got it all together. You know, they're almost above human. Um, and not that this is sinful, but I think it just shows us the human side of Paul, you know, that he was a little indignant about what they were doing and how they yeah. were treating him. So the, <clears throat> the other thought I have is that the situation where they're brought before the magistrates. And it seems like there's just kind of gross injustice that's taking place. Like it's like a mob rule kind of thing. They start Mm -hmm. beating them and then the magistrates join in and start beating them too. And I don't know if this is an instance where you see injustice in that they're, they set the slave girl free, you know? And so they see in that as like, man, there's a slave girl that's being uh, basically extorted by her masters. Mm -hmm. And so they set her free by, you know, through Jesus, but then they see injustice in the local system. And so that's an opportunity for them to also point out the injustice and kind of draw that to light, which I don't know. I don't know if that carries any significance and that's maybe why there's a change in, in Paul's interaction with them is Mm -hmm. maybe just confronting whatever the injustice was that was going on and using that as a platform. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. It's a good point. Well, we are almost out of time. Um, do either one of you guys have anything that kind of overall you think would be good to wrap this up today? I think overall, my takeaway in all this is is we have to be intentional about hearing what God has for our lives. Because if, if we aren't careful, we're going to see things that look good. We're going to see things on the surface, and we're going to follow that. And that might not leave us in a bad place. You know, you can never go wrong with loving others and treating others the way Jesus would, but it might not be the place that God really has for us. You know, it might not be the track of our lives that maybe it's harder, maybe it's a lot tougher. This track got them in jail and beaten, right? Um, But we have to listen for God's voice. In order to do that, we have to know how he speaks. In order to know how he speaks, we have to be in his word. Mm. And I think intentionality is a great word, and mm-hmm. I think not only are they intentional in hearing the Holy Spirit, but they're intentional in seeing what's going on around them, mm-hmm. and in seeing the opportunity for the gospel, whether it's in jail, whether it's in the city, whether it's at a prayer meeting. They're looking for opportunities to minister the mm-hmm. hope that Jesus has, and so it's never 
in most cases, you see it's not really about what's going on with them. They're seeing beyond that into, okay, how can I bring Jesus to this person? And, and I think that's a huge takeaway for us is right. not only personal listen to the Holy Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis, but also have kind of eyes to see what's going on around us and how the Holy Spirit is working in the people around us, not even just in our own hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Daniel, if you would pray for us today. I know that you've been away and refreshing, so I would love to get a, a fresh take from you today. <laughs> So if you would close us out, please, man. Such a fresh prayer, guys, but watch (laughs) out. All right. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much uh, for this day. And uh, God, I thank you so much uh, for uh, the wisdom that you give us in scriptures, the amazing stories that these uh, men and women have gone uh, before us and the things that they experience, the hardship, the beatings, the pain that they experience, so that we could receive so much from you, Holy Spirit. Uh, so, God, I just pray that we don't take this wisdom and this truth lightly, that it penetrates our hearts. God, that it gives us eyes to see what's going on around us, the situations that are around us. God, give us ears to hear and understand the Holy Spirit, to understand how you're speaking to us and trust you, God. Help us to trust you no matter what, depending on if our circumstances are good or bad, knowing that you have great plans and purposes. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us not to fear whatever the present situation is because, God, it says that you, it's to your pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would use us for your glory, use us for your kingdom, whether it's in our workplace, our family, in our communities, whatever it is, God, um, may we just be instruments of your glory. In your name, amen. 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 Well, Daniel, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. <laughs> Everybody, thank you again for listening, as always. Um, one thing that just occurred to me as well, and, and this is a little bit scary to do, but um, if you are out there listening right now, and if you are a member of our church family here at Elevation Community Church, if you ever truthfully would love to come on here and have a conversation with us, be part of this conversation, come and talk to us. Um, it might not always work out to be able to have you on, but we would love to get the inside of our family members here at the church and, and um, get different takes because everybody has a different path. Everybody has a different perspective, um, and we would love to share more of that. So if you want to, please reach out to me, Brent, um, Jacob or Daniel, even Phil or Tiffany, um, and just get in touch with them, and they'll direct you to us, and we'll see if we can work something out. Um, so anyway, until that time and until next Tuesday, uh, we thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next week week.